Welcome to Race to Deliver podcast with Vladimir Subchuk. I am excited to welcome you to this week's episode. I believe God's going to use this podcast to enrich your spiritual walk with Him. Thank you so much, each and every one of you who is sharing this podcast with your friends, posting it on social media, and also leaving the review. Let's dive into this week's episode. Who is Jesus? I'm going to speak to you today about this person named Jesus. We are around the Christmas holiday, but I understand that this video will be rewatched after holidays, um, way past Christmas. And I want to talk to you about this person named Jesus. We as Christians, we worship Jesus, we believe in Jesus, and Jesus is our God. Jesus is the meeting place of eternity and time. He is the blending of deity and humanity, the conjunction of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is the most important person. His birth split the history. We see before Christ and then after Christ in Latin for after Christ. The whole history is split for Him. There has been nobody like Him. There will be nobody after Him. He is the only one. He is unique. He is amazing. And we celebrate His birth. Unlike any birth, you know, we can celebrate our births and that, that's good, but we celebrate His birth because when He came to this earth, that's the greatest event this earth has ever experienced. The greatest event is not when man landed on the moon. The greatest event is when God came on earth. When He was born, took on the humanity, He walked among us and He came to this earth for a few reasons. He came to this earth, number one, to save sinners in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15. He came to this earth to do the will of His Father, John chapter 6, verse 38. He came to this earth to bring light to the dark world, John 12, verse 46. He came to this world to bear witness of the truth, John 18, 37. He came to this world to destroy the devil and his works. Come on, somebody. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. That's my, one of my favorite things. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. See, the devil has come to destroy the work of God. He came to destroy your health. He came to destroy your mind. He came to destroy your relationships. But Jesus Christ has come to destroy the destroyer. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus also has come to give us eternal life. John chapter 6 verse 51. Jesus has come to bring great joy. Luke chapter 2 verse 10. He has come to preach the gospel, the good news. Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and verse 19. He has come to bring judgment according to John chapter 9 verse 39 all the way to verse 41. He has come to give his life as a ransom for many according to Mark chapter 10 verse 45. He has come to fulfill the law and the prophets Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. He has come to reveal God's love for the sinners John chapter 3 verse 16. He has come to call the sinners to repentance Mark chapter 2 verse 17, Luke chapter 19 verse 5 and Luke chapter 19 verses 9 until 10. And he has come to serve. Mark chapter 10 verse 45, He has come to reign as a king. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7. Now, we're going to drop that in the chat right now of why He has come. This is not a full list 
of all the times in the Bible that mentions why he came. But ultimately, he came to die for our sins. He came to take our place. And we're going to look at who Jesus is today. The first thing I want to highlight today is this, is that Jesus is the Messiah. If you're taking notes, this is more of a teaching than just preaching. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Let's read the verse in Luke chapter 2 verse 11. It says the following, For to you, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Before Jesus came, there's nobody, there has never been like someone like the Lord because His birth didn't just happen. He came and prior to His coming, there were prophetic words released by the prophets as well as God Himself directly speaking to Eve 4,000 years before His coming and saying there will be a seed of the woman that will crush the snake in Genesis 3.15. Then God says to Abraham that in your seed all the nations of the world will be blessed. Genesis 22.18. Then He says the same promise to Isaac, in your seed all the world will be blessed. Genesis 26. Then He says the same thing to Jacob, in your seed all the nations will be blessed. Then, then Moses says, there will be a prophet like me that will come. And he's referring to this man, to this Messiah named Jesus. He was just like Moses in regards to he was a lawgiver. Moses was a lawgiver. Jesus was a lawgiver. Moses started an old covenant. Jesus started a new covenant. Moses escaped death as a baby. Jesus escaped death as a baby. Moses had a connection to Egypt. Jesus had a connection to Egypt. Moses was known for his meekness and Jesus was known for his meekness. Both Moses and Jesus led God's people out of captivity. Both Moses and Jesus performed miracles. Both Moses and Jesus had intimate relationship and conversations with God. Both Moses and Jesus interceded for God's people. And both Moses and Jesus were willing to die for God's people. The difference with Jesus is He actually died for God's people. Whereas Moses simply said, blot out my name from the book of life. I would rather die. But Jesus actually died for God's people. So in the Old Testament, we see these shadows of this coming Jesus, prophet like Moses, that He will come from the tribe of Judah, that He will come from the family of Jesse, that He will come from the house of David, that a star will be in Israel. And then we see the wise men, they follow that star. That Jesus will be born in Bethlehem, 4700 BC, a prophet Micah prophesied and said that in Bethlehem. So it pretty much narrows down from the seed of the woman, then it goes down to the seed of Abraham, then it goes down to the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob, then it goes down to the house of Jesse, then it goes to the house of David, then it goes to the tribe of Judah, then it goes into the star in Israel and then it goes actually to Bethlehem and Jesus becomes the fulfillment of that. And when He arrives, this wasn't just a supernatural birth, this was preceded by multiple over 333 prophecies concerning His coming. Therefore, it makes Him unique and He's different 
different than any ruler, different than any being that ever walked on this earth. We know that Jesus was God. Not only we see the prophetic words spoken about Him that indicate He is God with us, but God testified of Jesus at the River Jordan, at the Mount of Transfiguration. Demons spoke and said, this is the Son of God. Jesus said of Himself that He is God. When He was asked, are you the Son of God? And He said, it is as you said, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of glory and you will see Him ascending. You will see Him coming down with power. The Bible plainly says that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus did the works that only God could do. Jesus received worship and forgave sins as something only God can do. Jesus was both fully God and fully man. He started His ministry hungry, yet He was the bread of life. He ended His ministry on the cross thirsty, yet He was the living water. He was weary, yet He is our rest. He paid tribute, yet He is our King. He was accused of having demons, yet He cast out demons. He wept, yet He wipes our tears away. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet He redeemed the world. He was bought and proclaimed as a lamb, yet He was a good shepherd. He died, yet He destroyed death through His death. That's who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. There's nobody like Him. There has been nobody like Jesus. Jesus is not only a Messiah. Secondly, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, and she, shall, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I want you to notice that Jesus will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people. If you are his people, he wants to save you from your sins. God would have sent us an educator if education would have been our greatest need. God would have sent us a scientist if technology would have been our greatest need. God would have sent us an economist if money would have been our greatest need. God would have sent us an entertainer if pleasure would have been our greatest need. Instead, God sent us a Savior. God sent us His Son because salvation was and is our greatest need. If you are thankful for Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, I want you to drop that fire emoji in the chat right now. Jesus, in the Old Testament, we see this picture of salvation. When Adam committed sin, we see from the beginning that God provides tunics of a skin of an animal. That tells us that the animal had to die for this tunics to be provided. And that was example of Jesus. He died so we can have righteousness. You later on see that Noah was saved through the ark. The ark is symbol of Christ because Jesus, the cross of Jesus, is our salvation as the ark had one window, one door. 
and it saved human family from the wrath of God that God poured out on this earth. Jesus Christ is the door. His word is the window and His death is that wooden protection that saves us from the wrath of God. As you go a little bit further, you will see a beautiful example of the story of Joseph. He is such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is as the Savior. Both Joseph and Jesus were rejected by their brothers. Both Joseph and Jesus were sold for the price of a slave. Both Joseph and Jesus end up in Egypt. Both Joseph and Jesus had a Gentile bride. Joseph had a Gentile bride. She was not from Canaan, she was from Egypt. And Jesus has a bride and His bride is the church. And both Joseph and Jesus, they, when Joseph was in jail, there was two men there. One had a dream that was promoted and the other one had a dream and he was demoted. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he died between two criminals and one criminal went to the paradise and another criminal, well, we know he stayed in his rebellious ways. We know that Joseph and Jesus, they opened the storehouses and provided grain. Jesus provided salvation to humanity as Joseph provided physical salvation to humanity. And we know that Joseph was at the right hand of Pharaoh. Jesus is at the right hand of God. And we know that there came a time where Joseph's brothers on the third visit, their eyes were open and he, Joseph, revealed himself to his brothers and they wept and they embraced him. And that day is still coming where Jewish people, they will weep at him whom they wounded and whom they rejected, their Messiah, Jesus Christ. So we see from Joseph's story, we see from the ark, we see as well from the clothing of Adam and Eve, this example and this picture of the salvation of Christ. And you can go on and I can go on talk about Joshua, how he is like Joshua. In fact, both of their names are the same, Yeshua saves. How Joshua took people into the promised land and Jesus takes us into salvation. And then we can go on through all of the uh, the feasts of the Old Testament. We can go on how He's the Passover lamb. We can go on unto all of these things. But pretty much what I'm trying to say is this, is Jesus Christ is our Savior. We are in need of salvation. Not in therapy, nothing wrong with therapy. Not in medicine, nothing wrong with medicine. But our problem is severe. Our problem is serious. We're not just people who are making mistakes. We are people who are committing sins and these sins, they cannot be dealt with, I am sorry. They had to be paid for. They had to be atoned for. They had to be dealt with. The penalty had to be paid and God chose a way for this to be taken care of. He sends His Son who dies in our place, who takes on humanity being divine and who dies as we would die. He becomes sin and gives us His righteousness as gift. And we can receive that today. Maybe you're watching or re-watching this and you don't know Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this is that the heaviness of sin, the weight of sin, you trying to change yourself on your own, you're trying to get better, make all these New Year's resolutions and promises, seeing a therapist, going to AA meetings, all of that has its place. But your biggest need is not behavior modification. Your biggest need is not external transformation. 
your biggest need is not trying to get your actions under control. Your biggest need is heart issue. You have a condition. And my friend, that condition can only be solved and changed through a heart transplant, through a transformation from the inside. And there is a being, there is someone who is able to do that miracle. This miracle is greater than even healing of cancer. This miracle is greater than even raising of the dead. It's when God takes the stony heart of the human evil heart and He puts the heart of flesh and He puts the heart that is new, a heart that is awakened, quickened to God. And this miracle is called the miracle of salvation. Salvation is not just God wiping your record clean. Salvation is God taking an evil heart and placing a new heart inside of you. You're no longer trying to please God. You're simply trusting in Him. You're no longer trying to change yourself. You surrender to Him and He does the miracle of inner transformation. It's not external pressure of religion and rules. It's internal motivation of His presence and of His peace and of His purity that comes as a gift. See, every religion actually has one thing in common. Every religion makes you feel guilty and makes you feel like you're not good enough to reach divinity, to reach the divine, to reach heaven, to reach God. And none of us are. Every religion has one thing in common. They're attempting, they're trying to reach God. Christianity is different because God came to reach us. We were so lost, we couldn't find Him. We were so broken, we couldn't reach Him. We were so deceived, we didn't want Him. We were so dead, we didn't desire Him. He came to where we were. He became us so that we can understand Him, so that He can bring truth and grace, so He can show us the Father. Billy Graham one time shared an example. He says that there was a time when he was younger and he developed this love or affection for ants. They were around his house and his mom, on the other hand, wanted to destroy those ants, so they hired an exterminator, somebody who would come in and exterminate, pretty much remove all these ants and kill them, spray something and they, these ants will die. And to his, you know, sadness, the next day all the ants died. But the day before that, he tried to warn all the ants and tell them, hey, you guys got to pack your bags and go because somebody's going to come and kill you tomorrow. And unfortunately, ants did not pay attention to his message. They did not listen to what he had to say because they didn't understand Billy. And he came crying to his mom and says, Mom, um, you know, I really cared for these ants and I wanted them to escape and run from danger, but they didn't listen to me. And his mom told him, because ants, they don't understand you. There's only one way to communicate your message and that is you have to become an ant and tell them in their language that they are in danger. And he says from this young age, he understood what Jesus did. He became an end. He came to our world and he not only told us the truth, he not only testified of truth as he said to Pilate, that for this reason I was born is to testify of truth. Not only he showed us love, but he actually took 
death upon himself. He absorbed death, the punishment for our sins and died on a cross in our behalf. He became the son of man that we can become the children of God. And I'm so grateful for salvation. Religion didn't save me. Good works cannot save me. Um, trying to do uh, sacraments will not save me. Baptism did not save me. Communion cannot save me. Living holy cannot save me. None of those things are good enough. Praying sinner's prayer cannot save me. There's only one Savior and His name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the Savior. Only one name God has given to us. And I want to encourage you today. If you have not placed your trust in this man, Jesus, you will have to give an account for your sins. You will stand before God and you will have to give an account for what you've done. Your good works outweighing the bad works will not save you on the last day of judgment. My friend, if doing more good works than bad works would have been the way of salvation, then God has made a mistake sending us His Son. If there were some other ways to getting saved than Jesus Christ, then God sent His Son in vain. If good works plus Jesus were required, then Jesus died in vain. So many people, they go to church, but they don't trust Jesus for their salvation. They think as long as they go to church, give their tithe, do not do anything bad, that's how they're saved. My friend, you're no different than the world out there who doesn't follow Jesus. We as Christians, we are saved through Jesus, by grace, through faith in Him alone. We are not saved through the Holy Church. We are not saved through the priests. We are not saved through sacraments. We are not saved through our behavior. We are saved through Jesus Christ, period. When we do good works, it doesn't add to our salvation. It's just an expression of our salvation. When we pray, when we fast, when, when we no longer do bad things, this doesn't make us more saved. This simply means that we are walking out. We are working out our salvation. We are growing in our sanctification. But my friend, I am not more saved today because I read the Bible. I am not more saved today because I'm a pastor. I am not more saved today because I fast and I pray and because I give to the poor. I am not more saved today. None of these things make me saved, my friend. I am saved and you are saved if you place your trust in Jesus only by grace through faith. I want to strip the religion. I want to strip that lie of the enemy that every religion carries. That if you will try hard enough, that if you will work hard enough, you will be saved. Zacchaeus was a short man and the Bible says that he was also a sinful man and he could not see Jesus because he was short. And that's what religion is. That's what humanity is. We're all short. We're born short, meaning we're not good enough. We are not bad because we did bad. We do bad because we are bad. It's our birth that made us bad, not our behavior. The reason why you have proclivity, the, the reason why you have a bent, the reason why you have this drawn toward evil and toward 
sinfulness. The reason why you have a bent toward unrighteousness is not because you are bad, it's because you're born that way. So people who walk around and say, I was born gay, well, welcome to the party. I was born sinful. You and I were born sinful and therefore naturally we sin. Therefore, no amount of restraint, no amount of restriction, no amount of self-control will be enough to change our evil nature. No amount of nurture can change the nature. It's like spraying perfume on a corpse. It won't make him come alive. And the Bible says Zacchaeus was so short that he could not see Jesus. And he probably jumped and tried. He still couldn't see Jesus. And that is the state of a human race. You and I were born short. We, you and I were born short, fell short of the glory of God. We missed God. We missed God because of our birth, because of our behavior because of our choices and also because of the way we were conceived. So choices and conception, birth and behavior. It's both our nature and it's also our decisions. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus, instead of going in discouragement and walking away to his old bed life, he climbed on the tree. And I believe this is the example of Jesus. The tree symbolizes the cross. When you in your own efforts, in your own abilities, in your own strength, maybe in your own efforts, in your own religious deeds, in you trying to prove something to God, in you trying to, you know, prove that you mean really well, that you didn't mean to do that, those bad things. And when you stop trying and you start trusting in the salvation that God has provided and that salvation is in the tree, in the death, in the burial and in the resurrection, in the person of Jesus Christ. Bible says this, that when Zacchaeus climbed on the tree, Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Previously, Zacchaeus tried to see Jesus and he couldn't because he was not tall enough. And that is the symbol, that is the picture of human race. No matter how good you think you are in your own eyes, no matter how good you are in comparison to your neighbor or the worst criminal on the street, no matter how you measure up among your peers, my friend, in the eyes of God, you're not good enough. And no matter how many good works and no matter how deceived you are thinking that you're good enough, you are not good enough. But some of you, you know that. You feel that stench, you feel that unworthiness every single day. And the reason why you go to church is to wash off that, that guilt and that shame. And I have a solution for you today. You don't need to go to church to wash off that stain. You need to go to Christ. The church, no matter Catholic church, Christian church, the Holy Church, Protestant church, Charismatic church, does not have the power to wash your sins away. Zacchaeus climbed on the tree. You have to run to the cross. Like Israelites that were bitten in the wilderness, they had to look to that serpent that Moses lifted up and that's when they were cured. You have to look to Christ. And when you look to the cross, when you come with your sin, when you come with your shame, when you come with your guilt, when you come with your repeated promises, when you come with your broken promises and resolutions, when you come with your addiction, when you come with that generational cycle and you come with all of that to the cross, something will happen. 
Jesus will notice you. He will call you by name as he did with Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. And he's calling you by name. When you stop trying, and that's what salvation is, as long as you're trying to change you, you will never get saved. Because salvation is not about human effort. Salvation is about God's effort and human surrender. And there are many of you, you are a surrender away from being transformed. You are a prayer of surrender from being delivered. All you have to do is quit trying. If you keep on trying, you will keep on failing because salvation is not a result of trying. It's the direct result of trusting. And to trust, you have to stop jumping to see God. You have to stop trying harder. Trust instead. Jesus called Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus means pure, innocent. Zacchaeus was not pure and innocent. Zacchaeus was godless. Zacchaeus was a cheater. Zacchaeus was not the man who deserved to carry that name. But Jesus, because he's on that tree, calls him by his new name. Jesus knows his past, yet he calls him by his name. See, the devil knows your name, but he will always call you by your past. Jesus, when you hide in the cross, when you lay hold of the Calvary, when you run to Him and you realize your education, your entertainment, your good works, none of that stuff will ever save you, but He will. He was given to us by God to be our Savior. You lay hold of Him, something will happen. He will call you by your name. And not only that, He will come into your house, into your heart, and He will make dwelling there. And when His presence begins to live in you, it will by its power change you. Jesus didn't go to Zacchaeus' house and started to pull out on his bank accounts and say, Zacchaeus, you lied here, you cheated here. Zacchaeus, you're such a bad person. See, many of you think that's what Jesus does because that's what your mom did, that's what your dad did, that's what your pastor does, that's what probably I would do. But that's not what Jesus does. When Jesus meets you. He meets you at the cross. He meets you at the point of your sin. He meets you at the point of your brokenness. He meets you at the point of where you are lost. He didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but you to repentance and I. Jesus meets you at the point where you are tired of trying, where you can no longer do it again, where you say, you know what? I quit. I give up. I can't do it anymore. He meets you there, but He never leaves you how He meets you. He never leaves you where He meets you. When He meets you, He changes your name. He reassures you of His love. He forgives you of your sin. And He invites Himself into your heart. Yes, the broken heart. Yes, abused heart. Yes, the fatherless heart, the orphan heart. Yes, the heart that still harbors unforgiveness. Yes, the heart that still has lustful thoughts. Yes, the heart that still has greed, pride and shame, lust. Yes, the heart that still has self-righteousness, self-condemnation. 
And once he goes to that place of your heart, by his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, he changes you into a new person. Please understand, it's not Christianity, it's not you changing you for God. It's you coming to God the way you are and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and He changes you. This is the miracle. This is what salvation is. It's the gift of God where God takes residence inside of you. This is not sets of rules, do's and don'ts. This is not sets of rites, sacraments and rituals. This is not just more headache, more things to remember to do. This is a sweet relationship by which a sinner is made righteous through the gift of Jesus Christ. And then this sinner who just became righteous says, I don't know how to live. I don't have the power to do right. I'm afraid I'm going to screw up again. I'm afraid I'm going to fall again. And Jesus says, I got you. I'm going to enter in and I'm going to live inside of you. And you will no longer have to try. You will simply trust. No longer I, but Christ who lives inside of me, Paul says. And the life I now live, I live through. The Son of God lives inside of me. This is the beauty of grace. Grace is not an excuse to do whatever you want. Grace is coming to Jesus the way you are, is allowing Him to come inside of you and then letting Him live through you. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. If your Christianity is difficult, if your Christianity is complicated, today I want to ask you, have you truly placed your trust in Jesus? Or are you trusting in Jesus and your good works? Jesus and your church attendance? Jesus and your fasting? Jesus and your giving? Jesus and your, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing that. I don't sin because I'm afraid of going to hell. I sin because Jesus has given a new heart. Now, this does not mean I don't get tempted. It does not mean I don't fall. But when the righteous man falls seven times, he gets right back up. So Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. And number three, Jesus is the King. Jesus is the King. And this is huge because in Matthew chapter 2 verse 2 it says saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him Isaiah 9 6 it says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father, prince of peace. I want you to notice when he was born, the wise men came looking for a king, not for a savior. They came to worship the king, not a savior. They did not know about him being a savior. They knew about him being a king. Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. He did not preach salvation as much as he preached the kingdom. All the parables were to describe the life and the contrast of the kingdom. In fact, he told us to preach the kingdom as well. 
the gospel of the kingdom, meaning the good news of his kingdom. When he was dying, they put a sign over his head, the king of the Jews. When he's coming back, he's coming as a king, not as a suffering savior, but as a king. Now, I live and most of you live most likely in a place where there's either democracy or some other form of government. When Jesus was speaking in that day, the form of government that was there during His day was kingdom government. It was a monarchy where there was a king, was, his name was actually, he was Caesar and he ruled the country, the world, his world. The king's word was the law. He was not voted into power. There was no elections. He was never voted out of power. His word was not debated on the newspapers. People did not discuss it on, on the news stations. His word meant the law. Whatever the king said, that was its law. Also, the king would choose his citizens. To be a citizen of the kingdom was a privilege, not a right. The king would send ambassadors to places he conquered to be these people that will bring the culture of the kingdom into those places. And the king would have an iglesia, meaning like a, like a consul, um, like a consul of his, of his people where he would come and this would happen in the Roman Empire. So all of these words that we see today like the church, like we are ambassadors of Christ, they come mainly from the Roman Empire terminology. Now, at that day for people to acknowledge Jesus as a king, this was different as it is today because we have a president. Some of you have a prime minister and our president He's not a king, okay? Uh, most presidents, I'm sorry, but they're puppets. They're not, they're not real. Somebody else is pulling the strings. They have these donors that they try to please who pretty much got them elected. They have majority of people that voted for him and for them and then there is half of the population that doesn't like them or their policies. They have a party that they're trying to please and every few years, they run for re-election and then after that they're done. Kings are not ran like that. Kings are born as a king. So Jesus is born as a king. There was no election when he was born. Nobody held an election at the birth of Jesus. Why were the wise men declaring him a king? Because kings are not voted. They are born. Jesus was born a king. You don't decide Jesus to become a king. Jesus is not a king because you and I say so. Jesus is not a king because our nation decides to choose him as to be such. Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords, regardless of what we think, of what we say. Why is that important? Because he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. But I have to tell you also the other part of the news. He's also the king. He is the only rightful king for this planet. He wants to rule in our hearts. He doesn't want to take. When kings rule, they take. They tax you. They make you their slaves. 
They make you serve them. That's why Samuel told the nation of Israelites and he says, you guys want a king, you have no idea. Once you get this king, he's going to make you into slaves. You will have your own oppressor. This king will oppress you and he will, on the top of tithing, you're going to have to pay taxes and, and then they're going to rule you and they're going to dominate you. And they're flawed. But Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served. But don't make a mistake. Jesus Christ is not a doormat. He is a king. He is the king. That's why the waves obey him. That's why he could sit on a donkey that nobody has ever ridden before, ridden before, and the donkey did not trip up or, you know, threw him off. That's why demons obeyed him. That's why his word is the command. People will say, why do you guys pay attention so much to the words of Jesus? Because he's the king. His word is our constitution. That's why Jesus Christ still remains the king today. And he's coming back as the king, no longer on a donkey, but on a white horse. He's not coming back to negotiate. He's not coming back and wait for the world, the UN, the world um, population to gather together and decide if we want Jesus or not. This will not be that kind of an entrance. He will not be knocking. He will be riding and there will be a sound of an archangel, a trumpet of God that will announce His coming. A sword will come from His mouth and will destroy the wicked. Now you may say, man, that's just not fair. That's just not right. My friend, that's His planet you and I are living on. And last time I checked, I have not made one payment to Jesus for leasing and using the air. He has given me the gift of life. And as a citizen of His kingdom, I owe Him worship. So when He is my Messiah, I receive Him as my Messiah. I receive Him as God. As my Savior, I come to Him with my sin. I come to Him with my faults. But as my King, I run to Him with adoration and worship. I worship Jesus. And this is one of the, why am I presenting Jesus as a king? Well, first of all, because that's who He is. But secondly, is that when you understand Jesus as the king, when you embrace Jesus as the king, not only as a spare tire, not only as your insurance card, not only as your safe passage to heaven and you will not go to hell, that, that's, that is good. But Jesus the king does something to your spiritual life. It gives a sense of truth. It brings you truth. It brings you, His Word becomes the Constitution. And worshiping Him changes you. Let me say it again. When Jesus becomes your King, His Word becomes your Constitution. And worshiping Him changes you. If you remember in the Old Testament, where the Bible says that everyone did what was right in their eyes because there was no king in Israel. It's interesting, it does not say everyone did what was wrong in their eyes because there was no king in Israel. Why? Because when you don't have a king, my friend, you will always do what you do and you will justify it and call it right. You will call wrong things right because you don't want to change. So you would instead change your moral code change the rules as you go, you will say things like, you can choose your gender. You will say things like, killing a baby, it's, it's health. You will say things like, you know, men loving another man in a sexual union is love. 
You will say things like, it's okay to be racist. You will say things like, you know what, it's okay to murder another person. You will say these things, why? Because you don't have to change and you, you, may, you make your own rules because you are your own God. But Jesus t teaches us that if you have a king, not a president, but a king, you abide by his word because his word is your constitution. And when you abide by his word, you abide by his truth, something happens. You worship him. When you worship, you change. The wise men worshiped Jesus. They brought him his, their gifts and during the night, he led them and instructed them. You will always become what you behold. And as you worship, whatever you worship, you become. You will be changed in the image of what you worship. If you worship sex, you will become that. If you worship culture, you will become like the culture. If you worship selfishness, you will be transformed into someone like Satan who was focused on himself. But if you worship the king, you will be transformed into the likeness and the image of your king. That's why you must embrace Jesus as your king. That's why you must worship Jesus as your King. You must take every day a moment where you read the Holy Bible. So it's one thing to come as a sinner it's, and to acknowledge your need for salvation. Receive Jesus as your Savior. It's totally another to be a disciple and embrace Jesus' Word as your constitution and worship Him as your King and just adore Him like the wise men did, adore Him, like the children did when He entered into Jerusalem, adore Him like disciples did when He walked on water into their boat, worship Him like Thomas did and he said, my Lord, my God, as you worship Him, you become changed. See, when you don't see Jesus as a king, you won't worship Him. Instead, you will worship your emotions, you will worship your ideas, you will worship the culture, you will worship popular opinion, you will worship what is popular in the culture. And that's how we have many Christians today in this world who are not being transformed into the image of God. This is why. Because they don't worship. And I'm not talking about worship as just singing a song. I'm talking about worship as an attitude of the heart where you admire and you honor Jesus and His Word is your constitution. Why am I saying this? Because Jesus told us to preach this gospel. He didn't tell us to go everywhere and preach only salvation. He told us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is Jesus' rule in the heart of man. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to challenge you right now to move from the sinner to a saint. As the saint of God, embrace the revelation of Jesus the King. Worship your King. Bring Him your gifts, your treasures. As a sinner, you bring Him your trash. But as a saint, you bring Him your treasures. When you see Jesus merely as your Savior, you bring Him your garbage. You bring Him your trash because that's all we have to offer. And He takes that and gives us the gift of life. But Jesus is not only our Savior, 
He's also our King. We have to bring our treasures to Him. And so many people only run to the Lord to give Him trash. But they don't run to the Lord to give Him their time, their treasures, and their blessings, the things that the Lord has given them. And because of that, they don't grow in God. That's why I want to challenge you to take time to spend with the King, read His Word. As we're going into the next year, take time to fast, fast with us. Why? Because it's not just about bringing your trash, it's about bringing your treasures. Because your King, He expects worship. Your King, He expects adoration. Your King expects you to bow your knee to Him. If Jesus is your King, I want you to drop number one in the chat. If you are a worshiper of the King Jesus, drop number one in the chat. I'm going to take this teaching a little bit further now. In the Old Testament, I'm going to give you three sevens. <laughs> the first seven is the seven feasts of Israel. And then I'm going to how Jesus is in the seven feasts of Israel. We will go through them very quickly. Then I'm going to mention seven I am's of Jesus and then seven redemptive names, seven redemptive names of Jesus. And so we will go through that. But before we do that, I want to welcome every person that is just jumped in or is re-watching this broadcast. I want to ask you to go ahead and hit thumbs up on where you are watching on YouTube especially. Just take a moment, hit thumbs up, share this with somebody. We're going to go deeper right now into the truths about who Jesus is. I believe it's going to be a great blessing to your life. I want you to get ready. Take your, take your notebook out and, um, and hit thumbs up or just share this broadcast with somebody. Let us know where you're tuning in and re-watching. If you're on the re-watch, drop in the chat or drop in the comments, hey, I'm re-watching this. We usually have more people re-watching than watching live. But nevertheless, we welcome you as I'm taking this little break. Now, Jesus in the seven feasts of Israel. Jesus, in the Old Testament, one of the ways you see Jesus, who He is and His power, and that's what I'm going to share right now, is seven feasts of Israel reveal who Jesus is. Israel had seven feasts. Let's go through them very quickly. The first feast that we know that is the feast of the Passover. And this is symbolic of Jesus' death. Now, Israel had four feasts in the spring and three feasts in the fall. And the four feasts they had in the spring was Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Pentecost or weeks. And then in the fall, they had the feast of trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the tabernacles. So let's kind of quickly go through these feasts. And this is beautiful analogy of who Jesus is in the Old Testament. Remember, we're talking about Jesus, okay? Now, those of you who are submitting questions, keep submitting questions. We have our moderator. We're collecting questions right now, and then I'm going to answer them at the end. But I want to stay focused on the teachings about Jesus. The seven feasts of Israel reveal who Jesus is. Four feasts were fulfilled in His first coming and three feasts will be fulfilled in His second coming. 
The first feast is the Feast of Passover. You probably already heard about this Feast of Israel and it celebrates actually the death of Jesus Christ. It pointed to the Messiah as our Passover lamb, whose blood will be shed for our sins. Jesus was crucified when Passover was observed. That's interesting, huh? Jesus is the lamb without blemish or defect in 1 Peter 1.19 because his life was completely free from sin. As the first Passover marked the Hebrews' release from the Egypt, Egypt, we also know that the death of Jesus Christ, it redeems us from the slavery of sin. So Jesus is our Passover lamb and He actually died on the time that they were celebrating Passover because He was the shadow of that. The second feast and this one is the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. It speaks of Jesus' burial. It's pointing to Messiah's sinless life as a laven, a picture of sin in the Bible, making him the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' body was in the grave during the first days of this feast, like the kernel of the wheat planted and waiting to burst forth as the bread of life. And so unleavened bread is actually the symbolic of Jesus' perfect sinless life and His burial and eventually His resurrection. The third feast is the feast, so actually the third feast is going to deal with His resurrection. This is the first fruits feast. It's pointing to Messiah's resurrection as the first fruits of the righteous. Jesus, Jesus was resurrected on this very day, which is one of the reasons Paul refers to Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15:20 as the first fruits of the dead. So on the very day that Israel is celebrating the first fruits, Jesus rises from the dead. And Paul then says that Jesus is the first fruits from the dead, meaning he is the first that got risen from the dead. That means that you and I will also rise from the dead. Come on somebody, give God some praise. Now, the the fruits the the feasts fruits feasts my tongue is getting twisted the fourth feast of Israel is the feast of weeks or we call it the Pentecost and this is when Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit it occurred 50 days after the beginning of the feast of the unleavened bread and pointed to the great harvest of souls and the gift of the Holy Spirit for both Jew and Gentile, which would bring into the kingdom of God during the church age. The church was established on this day when God poured out His Spirit and 3,000 people responded to Peter's great sermon on the first proclamation of the gospel. And you may say, how is Jesus what does Jesus has to do with Pentecost? Well, on the day of Pentecost, it was Jesus that gave His Spirit. He was the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Savior. And He's also the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus on the Passover, he died like a lamb. Also, Jesus on the unleavened bread, that pretty much shows that He was buried sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God who died on the feast of the first fruits, meaning where you would bring the first fruits, this was Jesus rising from the dead as the first fruits of us who will follow Him. And then on the feast of the weeks or the feast of the Pentecost, Jesus, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, pours out His Spirit upon the church and the harvest of souls is saved. Now, Israel has 
three more feasts that were celebrated in the fall. These four feasts were celebrated in the spring. They were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus. Three more feasts are still going to be fulfilled in Jesus and they're celebrated in the fall. The Feast of Trumpets. It's speaking of Jesus' returning. The first of the fall feasts. Many believers believe that it points to the rapture of the church when Jesus the Messiah will appear in heavens as he comes for his bride, the church. And the rapture, rapture is always, the rapture is always connected with the blowing of a loud trumpet. So as there's a feast of the trumpets, we know that there is coming a time where Jesus is coming back and there will be a loud trumpet that will proclaim and announce Jesus' second coming. Coming. And this feast, my friend, is still coming. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming for His bride. Jesus is coming for His church. And Jesus is coming to judge the world. He is coming no longer to suffer, but to reign. He will establish His kingdom in Jerusalem. He will sit in the temple. His feet will touch the Mount of Olives. And this will happen at the Feast of trumpets, meaning when the trumpet will sound and the Lord will ascend. The sixth feast is the Day of Atonement. This is speaking of Israel being saved. Many believe this prophetically points to the day, the second coming of Jesus when He will return to the earth that there will be a, a, a day of atonement for the Jewish remnant when they will look unto Him whom they have pierced and repent of their sins and receive Him as their Messiah according to Zechariah 12.10, Romans chapter 11 verses 1 all the way to 6 and 25 all the way to 36. So the day of atonement is speaking of the Jewish people recognizing Jesus as the Messiah and that will happen when He returns. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles it speaks of Jesus' reign and dwelling with us. Many scholars believe that this feast points to the Lord's promise that He will once again tabernacle with His people when He returns to reign over all the earth. So seven feasts of Israel, four feasts in the spring, three feasts in the fall. Four feasts, they point out to Jesus' his death, His burial, His resurrection, his, Him pouring out the Holy, Holy Ghost. And then the three more feasts that will still be fulfilled in Jesus' second coming point to Jesus' coming. Jesus' coming at the sound of a trumpet. The Jewish people being saved and the Lord tabernacling, tabernacle, uh, the Lord dwelling with us forever and we in His presence. Come on somebody, if you received that revelation today, drop that number one in the chat. If this is, if you're receiving something right now and it's being blessing to you, to your spiritual life, drop number one in the chat. And now I want to jump into seven I am's of Jesus. The best way to know who Jesus is, is to see what Jesus said about Himself. 
He said, number one, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verse 35. In John chapter 6, verse 48. And John chapter 6, verse 51. I am the bread of life. My friend, if you are hungry today for God, Jesus is your bread. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 8, verse 12. And in John chapter 9, verse 5. If you are in darkness, Jesus is your light. If you feel depressed, if you feel downcast, if you feel forgotten, if you feel negative emotions overwhelming you, Jesus is your solution. He is the light of the world. He wants to be the light of your world. Jesus also said, I am the door. John chapter 10 verse 7 and John chapter 10 verse 9. That means that Jesus Christ is the only door to heaven, spiritual blessings. He's the only door to green pastures. Jesus is the only door to God. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd in John, cha John chapter 10 verse 11 and John chapter 10 verse 14. That means that if you are a sheep, you don't just have a savior, you also have a shepherd. Shepherd stays with you. Shepherd leads you. Shepherd guides you. Shepherd cares for you. See, as a savior, he rescues me a lost sheep. But as my shepherd, he stays with me and he guides me. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is also the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11 verse 25. That means that when Jesus comes into my life, I experience resurrection. I experience the Zoe, the eternal life of God inside of me. Jesus is also the way, the truth and life. John chapter 14 verse 6. That means that Jesus is not a truth. Jesus is not just somebody who knows the truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way and He is the life. And the seventh I am is Jesus said, I am the true wine, the true vine. John chapter 15 verse, verse 1 and that simply means that Jesus Christ is the one I can abide on and He, the sap from Him flows through me and I can bear fruit. So He is the bread of life, He is the light of the world, He is the door, He is the good shepherd, He is the resurrection and life, He is the way, truth and life and He is the true vine. That's who Jesus is. Come on somebody, drop that number one in the chat. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ and if He has made a difference in your life. I want to take a moment right now and go into a time of prayer. The first thing I want to ask if, there, if you're watching this right now or re-watching and you do not know the Lord personally. You do not, you do not have a relationship with the Lord personally. You have not yet placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. May I pray for you right now? Would you be interested in me praying with you right now? I know there are people watching who are Muslim, people watching that are maybe fell away from Christ and you walked away from your Christian faith. Maybe stuff happened, you met church hypocrites, maybe you were abused, Perhaps it's the sinful nature, the deception of sin, the temptation that you couldn't overcome and you gave up on God. Maybe you conjured up beliefs that He doesn't exist. Come on, let's be real. It takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer in God. Deep inside you know that God is real. The proof of that is creation. The proof of that is Jesus and the proof of that is your conscience. He's waiting for you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He died on the cross for you. 
He doesn't want anything from you but you. He loves you. He's the only being who knows you deeply and loves you still. And He wants to extend to you the greatest gift. Maybe during this Christmas nobody has given you a gift. Jesus is offering Himself as the gift. He's not giving you salvation. The Father has given you the Savior. He's not just giving you a healer. Healing, He's giving you the healer. He's giving you the Prince of Peace. He's giving you Himself. I want to lead you in that prayer. If you would like to give your life to the Lord, if you would like to get saved, if you're watching or re-watching this, I want you to pray with me right now. Now, let me start from the beginning. <laughs> prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But pray this with me. You can pray something as simple as, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sin. Jesus, wash me with your blood. I believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, save me. I'm tired of doing life on my own. Jesus, I need you right now. Just tell it to God. Just, just pray like that. And He's going to come into your heart. He will forgive you of your sin. He will lift a burden and He will give you His peace. He will come with the Holy Spirit and live inside of you. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer right now and you're saying, Vlad, you know, I just recommitted my life to the Lord with you. Let me know that in the chat. If you're saying, hey, I just gave my life to the Lord, then let me know that in the chat so that I could also celebrate with you so we can give God all the glory and so that we can celebrate with you right now. And I would just ask you honestly, just go to our website and let me know. Let me know that you prayed that prayer. Hungrygen.com forward slash VIP. If you're saying, hey, I prayed that prayer, Hungrygen.com forward slash VIP. Hungrygen.com forward slash VIP. Do that so that we can um, celebrate with you, send you also some material as well. Let me pray for those people that are struggling right now with depression, who are struggling right now with loneliness. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that are going through a very challenging season, going through a very challenging moment right now. Maybe they're going through a time where they are lost, they're confused and while they're believers but they feel lost, they feel cold, they feel like they're far away from you Lord. I pray that during this Christmas, I pray during this broadcast right now that your peace will come like a river. I pray that your joy will come. I pray that your righteousness God, will they will become aware of who you are in them Lord. I rebuke any work of the enemy in their life. Set them free Lord. Deliver them Lord in Jesus mighty name. Fill them with your presence in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let your glory saturate their life, Lord. I thank you for everything that you are doing. I thank you for everything that you are right now, Lord God, for your manifestation. I rebuke depression in Jesus' name. I rebuke loneliness in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke right now that darkness over your mind. I rebuke right now that sense of death that is following you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke right now that demonic attack upon your life in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, move powerfully right now. Lord, move powerfully right now in Jesus' name. 
Jesus' name. Lord, deliver your people. Lord, let light come. Let joy come. You came, Lord Jesus, so that we will have great joy. You came into this world so we will be saved. You came into this world to destroy the works of the devil. Lord, let the works of the devil be destroyed right now in Jesus' name. Fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Fill your people with your glory. Fill your people with your power right now, Lord. Fill your people. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, manifest your anointing. Lord, manifest your power. Jesus, come with your light. Come with your love. Jesus, come with your grace into every person's life right now. Lord, I pray for healing to come into the bodies of people. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that pain right now that is attacking your body. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you will bring total healing right now to this person's body. Let the stripes of Jesus Christ manifest. Let faith right now arise. Let the greatest gift of salvation, let the great gift of healing be made manifest in the bodies of God's people in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, come right now. If you are sick in your body, Jesus Christ is your Savior, but He is also your healer. I'm going to ask you right now, place your hand upon the part of the body where there is pain. Maybe you're addicted and you're watching me right now and you're addicted to some substances and you are tired of that. Just place your hand upon yourself right now. But I want to pray for people who have chemical dependencies and people who have physical illnesses. That you will experience healing right now in the name of Jesus. That you will experience healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, come. Power of God, come right now. Lord Jesus, manifest your glory right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. I'll rebuke that pain in the mighty name of the Lord. I'll rebuke that sickness in the mighty name of the Lord. I command that pain to go right now in Jesus' mighty name. I command the spirit of infirmity to go in Jesus' mighty name. I command that spirit of infirmity that is generational to go in Jesus' mighty name. I'll rebuke that spirit of arthritis. I'll rebuke that asthma. I'll rebuke that gastritis. I'll rebuke that COVID in Jesus' mighty name. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, bring the healing virtue of Jesus into every person that is watching or re-watching this broadcast in Jesus' mighty name. Come, Holy Spirit. Fire, let it come right now. Holy Spirit, let your fire come right now. Let your glory come right now in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Be healed in Jesus' name. Every back pain, every diabetes and blood pressure. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name. Jehovah Rapha, manifest your glory right now. Jehovah Nisi, manifest your victory right now. Jehovah Shama, manifest your presence right now. Jehovah Shalom, manifest your peace right now. Jehovah Jireh, manifest your provision right now. Jehovah Tzitkenu, manifest your righteousness right now. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, come right now. Lord, manifest your glory right now. Jehovah Ra, manifest your care as a good shepherd right now over God's people. In Jesus' mighty name, receive the healing touch of God. Receive the healing touch of God right now. 
Lord, heal those ears right now. If you have a situation, if you have a pain in your body right now, I want you to drop that in the chat. Let us agree with you. If you have pain in your body right now that you feel that pain, I'm not talking about you had it, I'm talking about you have it right now. Drop that in the chat. We're going to pray right now with you. There's a lot of believers that are watching. Maybe not thousands or millions, but enough to agree with you. And if you don't have a pain and you're watching right now and you're standing in, in uh, you're watching this broadcast, could you agree with me right now as these requests are coming in? In the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak healing right now for every person in Jesus' mighty name. I rebuke that COVID out of joy in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, let your healing come. Let your healing come right now. I rebuke that wrist pain. Be healed in your wrist right now. I rebuke that back pain in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to your headache right now. I speak healing right now to your lower back. Every rib pain and back pain be healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke every problem with ears in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I speak your healing word for the ears of God's people right now. I rebuke sore throat and headache in Jesus' name. I rebuke lower back for every person who can't stop yawning. Be delivered in Jesus' name right now. I rebuke Lyme disease in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Every fever, go in Jesus' name. Every problem and pain in the shoulders, go in Jesus' name. Every pain in the stomach, go in Jesus' mighty name. Every broken heart, Lord, release your healing right now to the broken heart in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, heal thyroids right now. Holy Spirit, heal your people right now. Lord, bring that peace back. I speak healing to that knee right now and to, for somebody who is on TikTok. I speak healing to those legs right now, Lord. Release your healing virtue in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Fingers that cannot close, let them be healed in Jesus' name. Every stomach pain, be healed in Jesus' mighty name. Every pain in the body, be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Lower back pain, go in Jesus' mighty name. Be restored in your back and in your shoulders. Be restored every acid reflex. Be healed from that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Be healed right now in your ears. Be healed right now in your hip, in your back, in your upper back, in Jesus' name. I rebuke that COVID and I declare God's healing virtue to flow into your body, in your breathing system right now. Every problem with nerves be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Every problem with with spasms in the mighty name of Jesus. Be healed right now. I speak healing to that chest right now. I speak healing to that neck in the name of Jesus Christ. Every injury due to a car accident be restored right now in Jesus' mighty name. I speak healing to God's, God's word of healing to everyone's foot or problem with ankles in the name of Jesus. Issues with knees and the joints. Lord, restore your people right now in Jesus mighty name. I speak healing to, to piles, for piles to be gone in Jesus name. Every sinus and allergies be restored right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost fire in Jesus mighty name. In Jesus mighty name. I speak healing to eyesight right now. Lord let your healing manifest right now. I rebuke that arthritis in Jesus mighty name. In the mighty name of the Lord. In the mighty name of the Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I rebuke that tumor. I rebuke that cancer. I rebuke right now every cyst in your body that is not of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, let your healing, Jesus, manifest right now. Let total healing manifest right now in the name of Jesus. Let that cancer be gone right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. High blood pressure, go in Jesus' name. Diabetes, go in Jesus' name. Every stiffness, every pain in your body, be gone right now. Be uprooted right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every pain in your throat where you swallow, be restored right now. Every issue with thyroid, be healed right now. Teeth and problem with your dental, or dental problems, your oral, the things with your mouth. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let there be healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says doesn't just the Bible doesn't just tell us to pray for healing. The Bible tells us to heal the sick. It tells us to rebuke, speak to the mountains. And so right now I want you to where you place your hand, I want you to just command that sickness to go. Come on, just do it with me. Command that pain in your nerves to go. This is a season of miracles. Christmas is the time where impossible can become possible. When angel told Mary, he says that you will have a son. And she says, that's not possible. And he says, nothing is impossible with God. Mary replies back, nothing is impossible with God. Come on, place your hand upon yourself and just begin to speak God's word right now to that part of the body. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this broadcast right now. The power of the Holy Spirit is in this broadcast right now. Injuries. God is touching injuries right now. Injuries that are work injuries. Injuries on the road. Injuries that are in the gyms, that happen in the gym. And that you got used to already your body being limited because of these injuries. Be healed in Jesus' mighty name. God's anointing is touching your body right now. Just receive that power. Receive that love. Receive that goodness. This is not Vlad. This is not me. This is not even the words I'm declaring. This is the goodness of God manifesting and distance is not a barrier. Jesus healed from a distance and He can heal you right now from a distance. Receive that healing right now. Nothing is impossible. There's nothing God cannot do. There's nothing God cannot do and He can heal you right now. He can restore you right now. He can manifest His goodness right now. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is not distant God. He is not disconnected God. He is with you right now. Place your hand upon the part of the body where there is pain and just declare God's word right now. Just say, Lord, I speak your word to that situation. Lord, I speak your word to that infirmity and I command it. Go in Jesus' name. Place your hand upon your ears and command them to be opened right now in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're the healer. You're the Savior. You're the deliverer right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, open up your mouth right now. Just pray in tongues for just, just 30 seconds or something. Just pray in the Holy Ghost just for 30 seconds. Place your hand. I really feel the, the I sense the healing anointing right now being present in this live stream. That the Lord is healing people. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray just for, for a minute. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, come right now. Holy Ghost, come right now. Holy Spirit, come right now and touch your people. Our bodies, Lord, are not for sickness. Our bodies, Lord, are not for sin. Our bodies are for service. Our bodies are for service. And we speak healing into every part, every system of our body for the glory of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Race to Deliver podcast. I would like to ask you to drop a review for this podcast and also sign up for weekly updates so you can get in the email a reminder and notes of the upcoming podcasts. As I am streaming now on YouTube and on Facebook every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, I would like to invite you to join me for that as well. If God puts on your heart to be a partner of this ministry, you can do so at pastorvlad.org slash forward give. Thank you so much. And remember, you will raise to deliver.